so I came home today. Um, I was running a bit late. Traffic on the 118 is always terrible. Oof. And I get home, I'm setting everything up, and I'm thinking to myself, I have these, if I can get the box, <clears throat> these Little Debbie peanut butter crunch bars. They're like mm. cookie bars. They're like Twix, but with peanut butter. And I go to the fridge to go get them. And the fridge door is cracked. So, you know, and I got milk in there and stuff like that. So I'm like, I'm feeling the cartons and they're still cold. And it's just like, yeah, this probably went bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was my annoyance for the day. Other than that, surprise, surprisingly enough, I woke up at eight, which is three hours later than I usually do. Yeah, but, you know, we're still we're still here. <laughs> the days keep going. And uh, this is the show. So welcome. <laughs> Well, and at least this time, I don't know if you had a chance to um, listen to last week's show. I didn't totally catch it while we were recording, but mm-hmm. uh, to put it bluntly, there was a little bit of a wind problem. And I don't know if it was either your AC or uh, oh. those, those South Bay winds that came after Kenny were coming after you and I'm next. That's odd. Yeah. No, I had my AC on, but uh, my AC is across the room so okay um, it came to the news microphone. Is, that's a little bit weird it's not picking up now which is good um okay. or at least i can't hear it so uh but um yeah no it was it was just it was just fun getting to edit that episode and and having the wind <laughs> come in every time you chipped in it was like oh boy but it it was still fun don't get me wrong uh it was still right right putting in all those little bits of audio from our trip that was that was wild just because uh, at first I thought they were going to be in order. But then I realized that, as with most of our discussions, um, they weren't in order. So uh, <laughs> but it, it made for it made for a good listen overall. Yeah, I guess to, to kind of start off this week's show. Uh, breaking news as of well, by the time this episode drops it won't it will no longer be breaking news but as of a couple days of recording a couple days before it's still news yeah yeah um this headline from media matters for america which i i know there's people are very are there's people online that are very 50 50 about them occasionally see their work and i'm like huh interesting so it they they do there are some good stuff that they uh publish but dennis prager Friend of the show announces he has COVID-19 <laughs> while ranting against vaccines and declaring that he was trying to get infected. Was it the will of God? <laughs> Did the will of God come to him and say, oh, this is uh, have patience, my son, this will pass. There certainly has been a good deal of humor online with regards to, and I know this is something that's been talked about elsewhere, so I won't get too deep into the, into the weeds on this one, but um, I know there's been plenty of talk and, and, you know, to put, to also put it bluntly laughs 
over, you know, a lot of different sort of conservative radio hosts being resilient and resistant, resistant being a more appropriate word to use in that sentence, uh, to getting vaccinated and then sort of boasting about it on their shows and then inevitably getting COVID and passing away. And obviously Dennis Prager is kind of unique. He's, he is a unique exception just because not only the backing that he has, but also likely with the kind of wealth that he has. And also the fact that he, he is taking outside of the ivermectin, he is taking some (laughs) of the, you know, like Regeneron that's, he's taking the kinds of stuff that you both should and should not take if you have COVID, but obviously he's got the wealth to afford some of this stuff. I mean, he's, right, he's basically right. taking the kinds of stuff that Trump was taking. Who else? Um, Chuck Grassley. So so uh, we have a $6 million man here. Right. With all these resources, and he still gets infected. He still, well, he still gets infected, but he's still under this, this assumption that, and this is something that has sort of become the new talking point against vaccines, um, is this whole idea of natural immunity, which is great and all. The problem is, is that the level of immunity that you would get after having COVID-19 is not as sufficient as if you got vaccinated. And of course, all these talking heads are saying otherwise. Okay. So, which so is why if you have COVID, you can get one shot instead of getting two doses of either Pfizer or Moderna. Because, you know, I I was wondering how this would tie into the Proclaimer's latest article about booster shots. Um, And and I was was wondering, yeah, I know it's probably unrelated, but uh, Mm -hmm. it's one of those things where I'm just wondering, well, I I guess now is it related? (laughs) Basically, if if I'm recalling it correctly, because it was a press release that was issued right before... Okay, I just typed that wrong. Um, oh, for God's sake, Google. Okay, hold on. It's technical difficulties. The <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, here we go. Because, because um, it's funny, you know, it, mm-hmm. I, I, I guess I could be a little bit frank when I say this because... Well, it's I, I got the press release up and um, basically says that L.A. County prepared to administer Johnson & Johnson and Moderna boosters. And, of course, the next day... That pretty much got confirmed. So now L.A. County, you know, is is in full swing in delivering booster shots to people. And when I mean people, I mean people that qualify, which means either you're 65 and older, you're 18 and over and you have some kind of underlying condition or you work in a high risk environment. And the rest of us, you know, until they change their mind again, (laughs) the rest of us are pretty much, you know, a turd in the wind to quote venom all the vaccine stuff week in week out day in day out it's it's so nauseating and frustrating but at the same time you know i had a conversation with my mom about this a few days ago where and obviously this won't be the whole show i I got i got entertainment stuff that i'd rather be talking about (laughs) it's pretty Um, entertaining i mean it's oh yeah well it's its own kind of way I'll, i'll put it this way like the handling of uh, the vaccine rollout. And, you know, everyone was under this assumption that, you know, with the new administration, the federal government was going to be in full swing. And I'll be honest, 
you know, I the idea that I'm supposed to be watching something that's reminiscent of, and, you know, the best example I had to give when my mom and I talked about it was in the film Outbreak. It's been a minute since we've talked about Outbreak. Great movie, by the way. Perfect. That was like one of the first things I watched when the pandemic began. And that like set the tone for everyone into thinking, you know, what's COVID going to be like? And obviously Contagion is is arguably a much more realistic movie uh, in that respect. But in Outbreak, there are, you know, there's an outbreak in, (laughs) in a small town in northern central California and like the army, maybe the CDC, like there's just just this federal rollout quarantining this town because they know that, you know, if this were to spread outside of this town, the rest of the country and by extension, the rest of the world is screwed. And, you know, I just remember thinking to myself with how how the vaccine rollout was going to be where I'm thinking, are we going to have like stations and, you know, sort of these big, almost like demilitarized zones of people going to get their vaccine and coming out and that'd be all. And frankly, mm-hmm. it, it's just been like a bunch of volunteer groups and local governments and, you know, local government, local governments doing the barest minimum. And I'm just kind of thinking to myself, you know, if this was as much of an emergency as people were making it out to be, you would think right. the reaction would be a little bit more serious. And the, frankly, I mean, obviously the reaction needed to be more, much more serious from day one. And the same can be said about day one of the current administration. But mm-hmm. honestly, I, I, I'm still seeing the lack of just, you know, the lack of empathy and mobilization that, you know, I'll put it this way. In the past, when we've had vaccine rollouts, things go into like full full effect and full force. And the idea that this was basically just a big PSA campaign mm-hmm. is very disheartening and very, you know, it, it's in, in hindsight, it's very depressing to look at because you're thinking, wow, for a bunch of people that wanted to end this thing quickly. Nah. We're doing the barest minimum and stretching this out longer than we need to. And and this is ignoring, you People know, gotta, everybody else screaming into the ether about their freedom and their bodies. And it, it, it just it just kind of became this big, lame reaction. And I'm thinking, wow, we reacted a lot harder to, you know, what the in the in the months in the not even the months, the days and weeks after 9-11, the response was so quick. And yet with covid, it feels like. Mm-hmm. Eh, eh, move along, you know. So it's, I don't know. That that's kind of my my Debbie Downer, Johnny Raincloud take on the state of vaccination efforts. And Dennis Prager wants to pump a bunch of shit into his body. He he's making a dumb decision, and so are so are people that listen to him. But <laughs> so I don't know what you want. We either live in the experimental zeitgeist or we uh, we don't and, and pretend that nothing's happening outside of our bubbles. So either we can look upon it and laugh at it, knowing that, you know, I'm sure that there's a contact link in some shape or form to contact Dennis Prager directly. Whether or not he's going to read it is entirely up to him. But yeah. my 
point is, is that if you reach out to him directly and basically say, hey, for as straight-laced and cynically, I guess, intelligent, quote-unquote, as you claim to be, it's really kind of a dumb decision. You think he read that? Probably not. So No, I mean... Shout out to the ether or laugh mm-hmm. at it. <laughs> well, I'll just... I'll read part of what he said he's been taking uh or he said that uh he steadily he he has been steadily improving after he tested positive uh at no point was i in any at no point was i in danger of hospitalization i have received monoclonal antibodies that's regeneron i have of course for years and a year and a half not years been taking hydroxychloroquine from the beginning with zinc Mm -hmm. i've taken z-pack and i'm gonna have a Hard time pronouncing this next one. As as Azith Ramason, as Azith Ramason, as the Zelenko protocol would have it. See, this is the other thing. Very quickly, is like all these people making up these weird, like you know, Robert Ludlum esque titles for why they're taking <laughs> things that are hogwash for their bodies, like. Recently, mm-hmm. somebody in Santa Clarita told the city council that the Nuremberg Code was like a, a something standing against taking COVID vaccines, basically saying that something that was used against Nazis in World War II is a legal defense against taking the a, a vaccine against COVID-19. And mm-hmm. I'm just thinking... Like, I I had to look into it because I'm just thinking this is such nonsense. And the further I looked into it, I was like, yeah, this is not even close to the historical record. But, you know, who cares about history? Um, (laughs) And then he next says. Only you do, Ryan. I know. It's just me. But it's like everyone's taking, oh, Sebastian, I took the Bourne ultimatum and I'm feeling a lot better. Um, Oh, I mean. (laughs) You know, uh Oh, my God. Um, I have taken ivermectin. I have done what a person should do if one is not going to get. So have so just simply have access to these obviously over the counter drugs. Like, I don't know why you didn't take any of this stuff. Well, I mean, hell, with the hydroxychloroquine. Dude, he, he he's the relatable American radio host. Why? Why wouldn't we listen to him? You just go over the counter. You you ask the pharmacist. You're like, hey, man, listen. Listen, I'll give you a little reach around if you need one, but I'm looking for this drug, this drug, and this drug. Can you hook a brother up? Actually, Dennis Prager wouldn't be caught dead saying that. What am I fucking saying? <laughs> it's funny you bring that up. I, I vividly remember Trump saying something like that at a campaign event. Yeah, yeah. About, no, like, I was apples. actually alluding to that, too. Like, didn't something happen to the effect that, like, Trump said something cringeworthy he said something like you know oh i don't have any checks with me can you just like let me have the apples and i'll pay you back and and i'm just like okay number one right you need a check and i think in the same breath he was talking about um needing an id and you know i remember i brought that up okay relatives and they were like yeah but you need an id for alcohol and i'm like yeah but trump's not buying angry orchard he's He's talking about buying apples, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, I'll just go on a little bit more just because this is like this next point is is the revealing, quote unquote, aspect where he says, 
uh, you know, he talks about natural immunity. He talks a little bit more about it in another sentence or two. But he says, hence, so I have engaged with strangers, constantly hugging them, taking photos with them, knowing that I was making myself very susceptible to getting COVID, which is indeed, as bizarre as it sounded, what I wanted in the hope that I would achieve natural immunity and be taken care of by therapeutics. That is exactly what has happened. It should have happened to the great majority of Americans. I thought, I thought rigorous conservatives don't take outside help from others. Am I missing something? Or, or is it the will of God that, that allowed this medicine to, uh, to enter his body? Because, see, I've, I've watched, you know, admittedly, I've listened to a fair amount of Dennis Prager. And I know that there's a lot of dogma when it comes to his uh, broadcast. And I'm just like, I'm like, Dennis, buddy, like, what what's the angle you're trying to sell this at? Like, you're trying to be the are you trying to be the. Uh, um, the, like the vicariously lived messiah, like you're going to take one for the team just so you can show how uh, how diehard of a, of a man of faith, a man of patriotic faith you are. Like, just I I don't know how he's going to. It sounds idiotic, but I'm sure you know that. Oh, of course. I mean, it's, you know, if anything, it the the laughability, I mean, it also, the laughability also comes into play where he starts slamming the pandemic, which, you know, let's face it, who wouldn't, mm -hmm. but where at one point he says, the number of deaths in this country owing to COVID is a scandal, which one day will be clear to Americans. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I can't imagine how he'd be really uh, hindered by the pandemic considering his fireside chats probably allow him to never leave his house. Yeah. And considering how much well, ad revenue he makes, I don't think yeah. it was, I don't think it's something that he's necessarily struggling with. Well, and I think as well, and this is the part that I find most confusing with, because obviously, you know, it's basically three, three paragraphs of, very confusing information from I'm taking horse paste and stuff that'll make my heart stop beating to I intentionally mm -hmm. got COVID to the number of people who died from COVID will be, you know, is, is a mark on this country. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, you're like the only right winger that I have ever heard in the last almost two years of this pandemic slam COVID and its effect on this country in terms of how many people it's killed. Because honestly, yes, my congressman, uh, COVID's over. You know, you go to Fox News, COVID? What's that? Oh, you mean that 2020 trend? Oh, yeah. Like, it, it's trend. weird. <laughs> it's really weird. Like, you know, and obviously I know why. Part of it, Part of it came from Trump because right before the election, that was his la one of his last pitches was, you right, know, oh, all the Democrats right. want to talk about is COVID, COVID, COVID. And it's like, yeah, fool. It's still killing people. Of course, we're going to still talk about it, you know, and. That's that's stayed for like a year now where mm -hmm. it's like oh, all the liberals and, and the socialists want to talk about COVID. And it's like, um, yeah, God. because we're still in this. <laughs> like, Sorry, God, not you, our choice. God, you so you so she's are yeah. fucking ruining the country, man. So I, I don't know. At the end of the day, it's 
it's embarrassing and you know and it's dennis prager so (laughs) yeah it's kind of synonymous but you know at the end of the day too i'm just i i just get well i don't let it bog me down you know when it comes to people that want to go on their stupid pedestal and you know right pump out all the filth and misinformation about the pandemic it's just discouraging just because it's like hey you know the rest of us kind of want this to be done and clearly some of you guys Mm -hmm. don't want to play predator with this like you're you know in the jungle and you know you've got your i don't know right i don't know where that predator analogy was going but you you get what i mean yeah they they want it to be like uh like the wilderness and brave new world it's like every man for themselves kind of thing like that they, they want to be in their bubble right they want to mm. be in the uh god what's it called what do they call it the the city oh uh yeah i i know exactly what you're talking about but i'm i'm blanking on the term yeah oh, they want to be in there they want to be in their bubble want to pop the soma they want to <laughs> pop the soma and, and I can't remember any of the verbiage from that book. Wasn't Aldous Huxley like on acid as he wrote it? Or am I thinking of someone else? I I don't remember if this if that was before or after. Because I know uh, when did Brave New World come out? Uh, 1932. So right. When did Doors of Perception come out? I st- I still need to. Oh, that came out like almost 20 years later. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, he was under the influence of mescaline when he made Doors of Perception. Okay, yeah, I still oh. need to read that. Um, yeah, it, I. Anyway, um, <laughs> but mo- moving along, uh, I finished Squid Game. Oh, how was that? So I have not been transparent with either you or my viewing compatriot uh, when we watched the rest of it. Um, mind you, I, I mm-hmm. was kind of. We were kind of up really late because we were watching something else. So the last episode kind of ebbed and flowed. I still watched like 99% of it. So right, um, right. I will say the tone really changes in those right. last few episodes. Yeah, yeah. Now you know what. Now you know what I mean when I say that the first six episodes are probably a lot better than the last three. I would I would argue at least up until episode seven, like the last two episodes were the two that really mm-hmm. went dark. And obviously, let's face it. It was kind of expected to go that way uh, thematically mm-hmm. without I mean, I, I might have some spoilers for some of what I talk about on today's show with Squid Game, as well as the other two uh, pieces of content that I had I, I've witnessed as of late um one of them i legit witnessed the other one i watched and thought it was okay which i normally never say about an episode of succession anyway jumping the gun here (laughs) but yeah like thematically it got much more dark and to be honest you know by the last episode when all is revealed i was there was a part of me that was a little bit unsure how i was feeling about what was revealed and then by the very very end all i kept thinking to myself was you know i'm so relieved that there's those articles granted i said this after the fact but i'm so relieved that the the crew that worked on this movie have 
strictly said, you know, we've got other projects in mind right now, so we're not going to rush out working on a season two. Right. Right about now, I don't know if I want a season two. Of Squid Game? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where it's like you could sort of find the predictability in it, having seen the last few minutes of the last episode. And it's like, okay, this is how the show can realistically go. Um, I think for one, I've I've enjoyed the memes about it. (laughs) um oh yeah uh yeah yeah, no it's it's so people have really gotten carried away but then again people have gotten really carried away about the whole uh um uh what's the candy name the i'm gonna butcher this so hard hold on let me i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get something wrong uh this episode because i actually did get a couple things wrong when I first brought up Squid Game. There are mm-hmm. 456 players. I believe I said 436. Uh, I was wrong. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's a uh, lot of people. Jesus Christ. Well, then again, half the people got killed on the first episode. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. It, it is a Dalgona candy. That's the honeycomb. That's what people mm-hmm. are kind of getting... They're they're sort of jumping the gun on this because that's all I see on my on my timeline. Um, oh, me too. People, <laughs> you know, you either have really really funny memes of people pulling out like prop cap guns at the last second, being like, "Haha, I'm gonna kill you," and then like thirst traps, being like, "Oh, let me lick the candy." I'm like, "Get the fuck out of here." The idea of, you know, I again, I have to go back to this, and I promise this will be the last time I make the comparison, but when the first season, volume, whatever you want to call it, of Money Heist concluded, mm-hmm. I did not want there to be any more. And because I knew it was going to be just the repetition of, oh, we got to go to another bank, and we got to break into another bank, and, you right. know, we're all going to wind up on a desert island by the end of it, or the Philippines, or Cambodia, or wherever. And given the fact that the season is still going on, mm-hmm. and they've basically done... See, this is the other thing, too, is, and this is going to be another thread in this episode, depending on how spoilerific I get about the movie I saw. But, like, you know, sometimes when you know you have something good as a story and you end it on a high note where all the characters relatively most of the characters make it out, especially the characters you really love. Right. um, And you feel for, and they're also kind of young and they're in love. Like you kind of want them to have, you know, a a, a decent, enjoyable ending. Um, And then the problem with that is when you decide, Oh, we can do more and make it more extreme and more, you know, engaging which don't get me wrong money heist has been so far they've basically undone that original enthralling happy ending and they've killed off a lot of beloved characters Mm. um and so that and and obviously with squid game it's it's a little different given the fact that you know and at this point we're at the we're at the 30 minute 30 ish minute mark so I'm, i'm gonna delve into some minor minor i'm gonna delve into spoilers here um (laughs) gihun obviously he's the last man standing so it's not like you have a ensemble that's going to carry on into another season so and i think too like that 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 becomes another issue for me is you know oh so this mean i this means 
there's going to be like a new cadre of people that I'm going to get enthralled <laughs> with and, and, you know, get to know. And, and right, he's going right. to have to be like, no, this is all bullshit. Don't do it. Don't do it. You know, and he's going to rot. He's going to lead a revolution, which by that point, the show will become money heist. I guarantee you. Um, right. Yeah. No, I can, I can definitely see that happening. Yeah. Cause I, I just, and I don't know how I feel about that. I like the open endedness of the season finale. Um, you know, and, and yeah. mind you, that's also because I'm somebody that at this point, I'm tired of shit getting explained to me in movies. I'm tired of everything getting, you know, every resolution getting wrapped up. I mean, you know, I, I'd rather things just ended like the lighthouse where the character's alive, but he's got a seagull chewing <laughs> into his stomach like that's or or something else that I'll bring up. Um, although that was very definitive what I'm what I'm going to bring up. Uh, I don't know. I mean, what, what what do you think overall? What did you think of how it all ended? And do you want to see more Squid Game? Uh, personally, when it comes to satiating my battle royale need, um, you know, I the, the the show on Netflix that I was watching before we recorded, or at least mm-hmm. started to before uh, you called, was uh, Alice in Borderland. That was the show to the immediate mm. right of Squid Game, being like, oh, the, the, these people get sucked into a game and they have to defend, you know, they have to survive till the end. I'm like, okay, this is essentially squid game but i would first see this in an anime then i would see this in like live action yeah so you know if it's anything regarding battle royale like i'm you know i'm sold Mm -hmm. as long as it isn't Fortnite. (laughs) (laughs) you know so (laughs) yeah it's one of those things where it's just like i'll i'll give it a watch and i'll i'll see how i like it you know i've not i'm not one for starting up shows you know right. uh, i sort of just fall into watching shows based off of what other people are watching and seeing how i could uh i guess like it uh with me the last show that i ended up actually binging is uh was bojack horseman mm, okay i'm a big i'm a big bojack horseman fan <laughs> oh boy i i tried getting into some of it last was it? Oh my God! Was it last year? Time has no meaning. Um, mm. The early episodes were a little hard for me to get into. Not gonna lie, but I don't know. I might have to. Yeah, that. they. I was gonna say it. It kind of it, it struck a few chords with me as well because uh, you know it it does get personal. You know where it does. Uh, it's one of those things where you kind of just if you're looking for a show to have some semblance of a self-reflection uh give it a watch i would say that it's probably more on par with self-actualization than that bo burnham special that everyone was touting mm. oh don't watch this in the wrong headspace you know i don't know if you saw <laughs> those those comments but it was basically just like yeah like don't watch this if you're depressed don't watch this if you're i'm just like all right. <laughs> you, yeah, no, I do remember those. Yeah, you, know, you got a, you got a good soundtrack out of it. You know, I understand the whole the whole dark side of the whole creative process, but mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not gonna not gonna kill myself over this. Don't worry. But then, what do you think of uh, 
of them continuing the show where they left off? Uh, I, God bless him for being a good dad up until <laughs> literally the the final second. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all I'll say. I know that they need to keep the, that they need to keep the story going, you know, and for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, uh, you're living under a rock. But for those of you who have, I'm speaking to the vast majority of the audience here. Uh, instead of getting on the on the plane to go to Los Angeles, he essentially backs out of the uh, uh, what what's it called the that little walkway where you go from the airport into the airplane. Uh, first of all, Something. I don't even know I don't even know if that's legal, but <laughs> <laughs> I think. Man, I, I'm having like severe. And, and he, and he basically he basically says, "Oh, I'm I'm gonna find you." Ugh. Like he gives the number that he got on the card a call back, and yeah. they recognize him and they're just like, "Oh, player four fifty six, it's you." And he's like, "Oh, it's me." And then that's that's all we're left off with. <laughs> I don't know. It was very it was distinctly Asian drama esque. You know, like okay, it's like if the first one. If the first one has to be about, you know, sort of the cycles of how Gihun like processes his emotions where everyone's dying around him, the mm. second one has to be like, oh, Squid Game 2, The Revenge, The Reckoning, uh, Resurrection, uh, mm. Chaos Unleashed. I don't, you know, put a subtitle there and, and call it a day. But did I like it? Yeah. You know, like I said, did I like the last three episodes more than the first six? No, I didn't. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the reason why uh, I wanted more Squid Game. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, I could give I could give a shit about you know story B, story C, things that are happening outside of this of this remote island, but. I don't want to care about anything else. Like I'm on a remote <laughs> Island with people, with characters that I've now shown a vested interest in. And mm. to me, it's like, that's what I'd like to focus on. You know? Yeah. I mean, I knew that in, in one of these, in this type of scenario, when it comes to a battle Royale, you know, regarding the ending, I should say, like, of course it's going to be a one-on-one, but there has to be one winner in this type of situation. So, mm-hmm. Was I surprised at the outcome? A little, I guess. Mm. But, you know, I still felt impacted by it. I still thought that bottom line, regardless of the violence, they still told a good story. I think for me, that was something that I at first didn't know what to think, because the story at first felt very... I don't want to say cliche, but there was an aspect to it where I was like, this feels familiar. And then once the actual games come into play and also, you know, it's the games, it's the cinematography, it's the sets, it's the costumes, the music, like there's enough of that that kind of saves the story for me. And obviously the more that these characters get to develop and unwind if you will, in the games, that kind of built it up a little bit better for me, you know, because mm-hmm. at first I, 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 I didn't get I didn't get the, the, the kind of banal the banality of, of all these people being in 
these violent games and it's basically play or die. Like at first I'm thinking, okay, yeah. So it's, you know, it goes back to our first conversation about it. It's, you know, battle Royale or hunger games or running man, um, running man. Great, great games to the death movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, like that's, the fact that that's not like one of his classic films, I, I still don't understand why. And I'm pretty sure it came out after he did Terminator. Um, so much so that at one point in Running Man, he does say to somebody, he'll be back. Uh, <laughs> and you're kind of like, ah, I get that. Yeah, as as the episodes developed and as, as the story went on, and especially like I think, too, it, it still stayed very coherent but also still very small like the universe didn't feel overwhelmingly expanded upon and i liked that every show and movie nowadays is all about universe building and sometimes i just like a simple straightforward story even if it's in something a little bit more fantastical and this kind of fits into that bill for me um Mm -hmm. So I and I and I think too that's my trepidation with another volume or another season rather is more it, it would it would essentially be more universe building because let's face it at this point you have one I guess two characters left maybe three if you think about it um so I don't know overall I mean would I recommend it to people yes for Christ's sake don't let your kids watch it um I. I <laughs> I know a friend of or do show. or do and become like LAUSD where people are where kids are already playing squid games on the on the playground. Um, yeah, well, found a, mutual, a mutual found friend of ours uh, was was, I think, watching some kids play the. Oh God, what was the game in the train station? Um, with oh, the blue uh, card and the red card. Yeah, that was. I mean, that's how it starts, you know? Yeah. But but still, like, even by that point, you're thinking, okay, they, they clearly watch further than this. Right, um, right, right. But I just remember seeing that, and I texted him back, and I said, oh, Lord. And he texted me back with a laughing emoji, like, yes, good. Um, And he'd get that <laughs> reference because he's a Star Wars fan. Anyway, who wouldn't? Um, Squid Game, check it out. Uh, I, I think it's safe to say it gets a ringing endorsement from the two of us. It's a damn um, good show. Oh, yeah. Now, Succession premiered. And it was a big-ass premiere. It's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, the episode itself was okay. Uh, first time I've okay. watched an episode of Succession and thought, eh, it was all right. Do you mind if I give kind of a quick lowdown of the, of what the show's about I, I know i've recommended it to you but i don't know if i've actually told you what you're already on. here so okay um so the show is basically all about this family that runs this media empire um the roy family and you know the patriarch the, the head of the company logan roy he's this old man and he runs everything, you know, with an iron fist. He's very Roger Ailes, Donald Trump, you name it. He's he's the one person in business you don't want to fuck with. And he's got three kids. Um, his two older sons help him run the business. One of them is an addict. Um, mm-hmm. 
who who's very fixated on kind of becoming a big player himself. And then he also has another son played by Macaulay Culkin's brother, who's just a complete fuck up and the definition of fuck boy, um, even though he doesn't really sleep with anybody, funny enough. And they also have a sister who is just as power hungry, but she's like not sure where she wants to be. And where she wants to have power, whether it's in politics or with the family business. But the the company that they own, uh, Waystar Royco, owns newspapers, theme parks, a cable news channel that is basically their world's equivalent of Fox News. Um, I know for a fact that the creators of the show intentionally modeled the Roy family and all their dysfunctions after – other media families in a lot of ways a part of why i would recommend this show to you is that it kind of explains some of the things that we talked about in the season one finale of mars on life um about like old heads not letting go and anything when innovative they shut it down because they don't understand it um as well as people that think that are you know they're like oh i'm young and you know cute i can take over and they know dick about what they're going to do right um and that's apparent in this whole show and you know there's a lot of other players and people that get involved um there's this dopey millennial cousin from the midwest who cousin slash nephew from the midwest who kind of shows up because he's like i need a job and just because he's a family member he's like basically an assistant to the to the lead executive of atn which is their their fox news and the creators of the show previously worked on Veep as well as The Thick of It, which uh, The Thick of It I've talked about before. That's the show where Peter Capaldi basically runs around and calls every British politician and intern and secretary just about every expletive you can think of in the English language and then some. Uh, so a lot of that humor is in this show. And. It's just, again, the dysfunction with the family and the level of bullshit and pettiness that you see is so funny and so kind of depressing just because you're realizing yourself, yeah, there's people that are like this right now as we speak. But seeing people get to act it out and just make complete assholes of themselves is engaging and entertaining, but also... uh, thrilling in the sense that you know the name of the show is succession the father logan you know is he going to keel over someday is he going to step down who's 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 gonna follow him well you have to watch the show to find out and i can guarantee you i still have no idea who's gonna follow him because frankly i don't think he knows um as a character so uh I don't know if that was enough of a selling point. I I probably made it sound more boring than it really is, but it's it has a very dry sense of humor. Um, Oh, dialogue. (laughs) The dialogue isn't too quippy. Um, There's a lot of subtlety when auxiliary characters have their moments. Um, The the, the company's legal counsel, uh, I'm blanking on her last name, but her first name is Jerry. She's hilarious. Um, yeah, and and I will say there's a relationship between, uh, Logan's son-in-law and 
the young guy, the young millennial guy from the Midwest that's very relatable and kind of triggering um, in a way that I cannot explain on the show. But uh, it leads to some great humor, especially when, you know, overall, I don't know how much of the cast you would recognize. Um, Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off plays uh, Logan's son from Another Marriage. And so therefore he has no relation to the company. But he wants to be a player himself. But he's also a fucking idiot, like so much so that he makes Macaulay Culkin's brother look competent in the show. <laughs> um, his character, not as the actor is great. I love the actor, but the character, the character, I'll put it this way. The character might rem, his character in particular, Roman, I think, would remind you of somebody we both knew. Oh, I'm sure. Both in in stature and in. uh rhetorical stature but you know it's you know again the show is is interesting you know every episode does leave you laughing all of the media squabbling and and kind of figuring out you know what deals are we going to make are we going to do this are we going to do that are we going to do a merger like they actually make it entertaining even though all that shit sounds boring um you know and I can't give away, I don't want to give away, even though a lot of the promotion for season three kind of has given it away. I won't give away sort of what the story is like now, simply because I did not expect how it all ended at the end of season two. So like, like the la- I'll put it this way. The last minute of season two has you like questioning everything and you're just thinking, oh my God, where's this all going to go? Mm-hmm. Um, so... It's but again, at the end of the day, the season three premiere without getting into too much detail, it was okay. You know, everybody was kind of in crisis mode because of a. Something that's come out at the end of season two about the company and while Veep and the thick of it did a great job at episodes dealing with sort of crisis management, this episode was less funny. In that respect. Um, and there was even a few moments where some of the dialogue was actually kind of cringe, uh, <laughs> in, in a quippy Marvel way that I'm not a fan of. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, don't get me wrong, still excited for the rest of the season, but overall I, I'd say I, I'd still recommend heavily to watch the show. This might be my new favorite, or at least I'll put it this way. It's my favorite show right now. Um, just because there's so much of the dysfunction and, and the scheming and plotting that's actually funny, but also just, like I said, genuinely believable. Um, I don't know if, if I've delivered enough of a selling point to you, but uh, I'll give it a watch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, episode one, you, you do kind of have to settle in and figure out what you think. I've seen the show, the full show twice now. And I will admit, on second viewing, everything does make a lot more sense in terms of why characters do what they do. Um, mm-hmm. And I've, I've two of my favorite episodes are in season two, and they're back to back. Oh, oh, funny stuff. Um, with one of them, I, I only have one thing to say, which is boars on the floor. Um, what does that mean? <laughs> oh, if if you if you I'm last sure I'll long find enough, out. If you find out, you're going to you're going to love it. There are no rules. Um, anyway. 
lastly, uh, I'm, I'm grappling with something that I still don't know how to re- how to respond to, and it's been about a week, almost a week. Mm. Okay. Um, I saw the new I saw the new James Bond movie. Oh. Okay. <laughs> and uh, nice. I don't know, I, well, okay. I have a lot of thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts. Um, a lot of it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, a lot of it was fun in in a in a typical James Bond movie kind of way. And there a little bit of the campiness from the 70s kind of crept in, which, to be honest with you, I was kind of OK with, even though it really doesn't fit into Daniel Craig's tenure as Bond. Right. But then they do a couple of things in this movie that. Are are totally unlike anything they've ever done with James Bond before. Mm. Uh and I don't obviously I, I it's hard. Well, OK. Is it worth seeing if you're ready to sit down and watch a three hour long Bond movie? Yeah. If you're not invested anymore in the Bond franchise, you know what? This might even further tamper <laughs> your lack of investment. Um, because I, I just figured, you know what, this is probably going to be the last Bond movie I'm going to watch for a long time. I've lost interest. I still love the old movies, but uh-huh. Goldeneye is still one of my favorites. Sean Connery is still the definitive Bond, which is weird now that I think about it. I think it's been almost a year since we did that episode all about Sean Connery, um, <laughs> which is also ironic given what happens in this movie, um, which I'm I'm nervous. I don't want to. Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to be delicate you're, here. You're really you're really selling it, but at the same time, I don't think it was a movie that I was ever planning on watching anyway. Keep in mind, okay. the last Bond movie I saw was Skyfall, and mm-hmm. I had no inclination to watch anymore because it's not the fact that I didn't like it; it was just the fact that it wasn't my thing. I get it. Oh, there mm-hmm. are certain movies that you just kind of grow out of, and yeah. It was a good two and a half hour romp. That was it. Mm-hmm. Now, so there you go. Okay. Well, I'll put it this way: the the big difficulty with No Time to Die is, and this was something because I, I watched it with my folks. In case anybody listening wants to go into this one and say they haven't watched any of the other Daniel Craig movies. Unfortunately, and I say unfortunately because this also means you have to watch two really bad movies. Mm-hmm. Um, arguably, now that I think about it, you maybe maybe you don't even need to include Quantum of Solace. Um, but unfortunately, you would have to see Spectre to get some of it. I, you kind of have to see the rest of his uh, movies to get this one. I'm good. Yeah, and that's and and that's yeah. just me. You know, like if you want to preach to the choir, go ahead. I'm not into it. You know, the whole thing with James Bond is like, okay. Like, I guess I know what I'm watching, you know? Well, I'll put it this way. The action is great. This was probably, 
I honestly can't remember outside of maybe Quantum of Solace the last time I saw a Bond movie this violent, which frankly I'm fine with. I you know it, it, it's 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 after 2021 or it's it is 2021. Like I'm fine with a James Bond movie that gets a little bit more edgy with the violence, with the fighting, with the the gunfights, but. Mm-hmm. thematically where it goes, I think is something that I still don't have a thorough resolution on. And the movie clearly with one of those, it did have a resolution on, but it wasn't the resolution you were expecting. Um, I don't know if you want me to just spill the beans and just warn people that I'm going to get into major spoilers for the 25th James Bond film. Um, We're on 25. This is the 25th of its own. Con- well, it's also the fifth of its own continuity. Everything from yeah, Dr. Spoiler. No to Die Another Day is basically the same series. The Daniel Craig ones stand completely apart. Mm-hmm. So it, it, you basically you arguably you've got two Bond franchises here from the same company. Um, yeah. Yeah, buddy. Have fun spoiling it, honestly. <laughs> OK, so you'll so and and what's funny about this is that this kind of comes from a conversation I had with my dad earlier today. Bond has a kid. Well, actually, I should probably go a little bit further back. Uh, at the end of Spectre, he lets Blofeld live because, you know, James Bond lets the bad guy live uh, when he has him. Uh, he goes into retirement with his lady friend who he just met. He's somehow fallen hard for her, even though she's the chemistry is just wasn't there. And that was part of the reason why I didn't like Spectre. And they, they break apart because he suspects her of betraying him and she's clearly pregnant or at least indicates that they get back together five years later when he goes on assignment for the CIA. Mm -hmm. RIP Felix Leiter, by the way, kind of expected that although I, I i feel more bad for what happens to felix compared with what happens to other characters in this movie um just because felix felix i mean the guy got his leg bitten off by a shark and the other continuity so for him to just die on a boat in this one oh all right <laughs> r.i.p to a real one um but bond has to stop rami malik from unleashing a a poison that is something that he can basically code to people's dna ethnicity or even their genealogy so like or or just you know family so it's kind of like you know say i was to get this disease or this virus called heracles um okay if i got it and I came up to you, you'd be fine. You'd be totally fine, but you would have, and Heracles is basically just a bunch of like nanobots that are meant to be a weapon to kill people. And it was apparently developed mm. by MI6. So, herder. Um, but if I come up to you, you'll be fine, but now you're permanently infected with Heracles. If you were to come up to okay. a family member of mine, you basically depending on what this was made for or who it was made for if it kills me but you're fine and then you go up to a family member of mine you've killed them too um 
And so Rami Malek's character is like, I'm going to use this on however many people on the planet and also sell it to countries around the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Bond's got to stop it as well as save his lady friend and his kid. Because he finally realizes he's got a kid, um, which arguably is in the Fleming books. So it's not unheard of for Bond to have a kid, but for him to have a kid in any of the films who's also ingratiated in the story, that's new. Um, <laughs> and I should note the song by Billie Eilish wasn't for me. Uh, uh, they never really are for me, but <laughs> honestly, I understand. like uh, I'll, I await your hate mail. Skyfall was great. In my opinion, the last great truly great one was uh the chris cornell song for casino royale just just a cool fun song that doesn't sound whiny or pretentious um and so bond has to go to this island and save the day but when he does rami malik comes out of nowhere and starts shooting him and then they get into a fist fight and he smashes bond on the side of the face with a little vial infects both of them with Heracles and it's a particular strain where if Bond were to bump into Madeline the the Bond girl of this movie and his daughter he would kill them both and meanwhile uh the British government and MI6 have uh, officiated missiles to detonate this island because if Rami Malik's virus spreads across the planet then the planet's fucked and they'll have a pandemic, if you will. Uh, mind you, this was pre-COVID. This movie was supposed to come out right around the time the pandemic started. So you watch this, and there's a small part of you that thinks, ooh, this is in bad taste. And then you have to remind yourself, wait a minute. You know, I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is what the final cut of the movie was meant to be April 2020 when it was supposed to originally come out. So then Bond violently murders Rami Malek. And he realizes he can't basically leave the island to go see his loved ones. And so he stays on the island as the missiles rain down. And you watch James Bond uh, get incinerated. So this is my long-winded way of saying no time to die. Uh, grammatically should have been called no, comma, time to die. Uh, because they killed James Bond in this movie. Um, oh, so like they killed him in Skyfall. In this, you see him die. Like it, 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 this isn't. Yeah, and in Skyfall, you see him get shot off the train and drown. Oh, so are you? Oh, okay. Hold on, hold on, hold so, on. This is about to get fun. So, are you one of the theorists that thinks that he died, and the rest of the movie is just one big? Like, no, because I don't care. For he... Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it's one of those things <laughs> where it's just like, all right, you, you know, you want to kill off your main character. Go for it. You know, if it's one of those things where it means that Daniel Craig is never acting again, which, by the way, I don't think is is going to happen, you know, um, well, it go means for he's it, not going to be back as Bond. Then there you go. This is, this is definitive. There is no way his Bond can come back. And you that like. Well, hope, hope, hope he gets another kick ass contract then. Well, he also, I think, had more work to do or he had more work behind the scenes on this one and he was clearly aware of the negative reception specter got and specter was supposed to be his last one uh -huh. and the way it ended it ended on a light enough note 
where you're like to go back to my money heist spiel like yeah let bond go off in the sunset with somebody he just met and apparently is in love with fine if this is the way a a, a guy ends his tenure as bond i don't like it but you know what somebody thought it was a good idea moving on and then here we are five years later we haven't moved on it's it's like a han solo thing where i'm pretty and and mind you this is my own personal speculation i don't know if this is true or not but it would not surprise me if there was a harrison ford like scenario where daniel craig was like i'll come back and do one more but you got to kill me off because i'm not doing any more after this because remember after he did specter he was like telling journalists on press junkets I would rather slip my wrists than do another Bond film. Well, His words. Yeah. And clearly, you know, obviously Bond, James, James Bond as a character played by somebody else will come back. And the end of the movie tells you that. But it's just not going to be the one. It, the next Bond will not have lived Quantum of Solace or Skyfall or uh casino royale you know it, it, because that was a different bond who got blowed up with an island um <laughs> you know and you know i i say all this and and of course as this episode drops i will be seeing dune at long last so mm-hmm. you know I, I, and that'll knows. be and that'll be your episode you know i i said it in the last episode but i said i was going to take a step back i knew you were going to gush over it i know you are you know, you've read the book. You're going to see the movie. It's Oh, yeah. It's probably going to either, you know, I'd be surprised if it doesn't fulfill your expectations. Because I know how theatrical revisionings of an IP can really fuck the original concepts. I think I, I think the, I don't the, think it's going to be a I don't think it's going to be a one of one. But then mm-hmm. again, that's up to you. To decide. I'll put it this way, and I normally I hate doing this, and actually forget hate doing it. I actually never do it. I, I think the likeliest outcome of how I'm going to respond to it is it was faithful to the book, but it was all right. And when I mean all right, mm-hmm. I mean like visually it was great, but you know it 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 basically just followed the script, followed the formula, and at the end of the day, I don't know. It, it, it could I could just think oh, it was interesting and, and that that's that who knows. But, um, you know, yeah. I, I, going forward altogether, I mean, I'm I, I, I am genuinely more just disinterested with a lot of IPs minus a few that, you know, I, I'll, I'll maintain some hope and I'll probably be pleased by the final product. But at the end of the day, too, like I I I, I do start thinking to myself like, wow, original content looks way more interesting now through the eyes of a 20 something 27 year old. So, um, but I guess to, to finally wrap this up, I'll, I'll simply say, uh, it's kind of, which seems, seems fitting. Anyway, that's all I've got for today. Go away now. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Mars on life. Look up our show on Instagram and Twitter by searching at Mars on Life Show and give us a follow. Tune in to the latest episodes and bonus content from our show wherever podcasts are found, 
including Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Also, don't forget to head on over to the official Mars on Life YouTube channel to like and subscribe our work. This show's artwork, Happy Mars, is by Zachary Erberich, while our intro and outro is Space Explorers by Kevin McLeod. Once again, I am Ryan Mancini, and my co-host, as always, is Sebastian Shug. If you keep going, you'll make it to Mars. Mars.